This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Wyndham. Your work can take you all over the place, like Texas. You've never been, but it's going to be great because you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. Their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead. And after, you can unwind using their free high-speed Wi-Fi. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. Book your stay today at LQ.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to Intelligence Squared Crypto, our new debate series in partnership with Equinex, the Nasdaq-listed digital advisory. In this series, we'll be debating the biggest questions around the rise of cryptocurrency. And if you do enjoy this first debate, you can find links to register for free for the next two debates in the episode description. We hope you enjoy it. And now let's go to the host, senior editor, The Economist newspaper, Anne McElvoy. Hello and welcome to Intelligence Squared Crypto, a new debate series from Intelligence Squared in partnership with Equinex. In the coming weeks, we'll be bringing together some leading voices to try to bridge the gap between the crypto evangelist and the skeptics and to debate the disruptive rise of cryptocurrency and the future of money itself. I'm your host, Anne McElvoy from The Economist, and tonight's debate is Bitcoin versus gold. Before we begin, I'm going to ask you, the audience, to submit a pre-vote to get a sense of where your opinions lie at the outset. Let's see if you're persuaded by my two marvellous guests tonight. Please vote now for either Bitcoin or gold using a poll coming up on the screen. If you're unsure, vote undecided. Since the world economy was plunged into crisis as a result of COVID-19, many economists have predicted a period of great instability. In normal times, investors would seek to hedge against volatility by buying, you guessed it, gold. The Queen has rather a lot of it, which is always a good guide. But this time, some are putting their money in large quantities elsewhere into Bitcoin and into other digital assets. So that raises a pretty fundamental question. In a time of rising inflation, will Bitcoin or gold be the trusted store of value and the asset of the future? That's our theme tonight. Here's how it's going to work. In just a moment, we're going to hear our speakers opening statements. They have six minutes each to win you round to their side of the argument. I'm going to be quite strict, as strict as you can be in the digital world. I have a glass and I will tink it and then I'll just get very stroppy and tell them to stop. And I will then moderate a discussion between them so that each speaker can come back on the points made by their opponents. Then we'll be going to your questions from the audience. And you can tweet along using the hashtag IQ2Crypto, hashtag IQ2Crypto. Right, I'm going to try and find the results now. Oh my goodness, technology worked. 26% for Bitcoin, 38% for gold, 35% undecided all to play for 
for my guests. So let me uh, introduce them. And our speaker in favour of Bitcoin tonight is Anthony Scaramucci, founder, managing partner to, of Skybridge Capital, an alternative investments firm with about $10 billion in assets under management, including your famous Bitcoin. He also served as White House Director of Communications in 2017 for those famous 11 days. He's author of books including Hopping Over the Rabbit Hole, How Entrepreneurs Turn Failure into Success. I know he can say a lot in six, six minutes. Six minutes, not the other thing. Six minutes. Over to you, Anthony. Uh, let's see how far you can get us. Six minutes. It's almost as long as my White House career. I mean, that's like almost forever. I, I remember because I covered it. I blinked and then you were gone. But since then, you've been immense fun talking about it. Yeah, you see that? If you, if you were on vacation, if you were on vacation in July, you missed my federal uh, public service. But uh, first of all, uh, welcome to Peter, who's a good friend of mine. Uh, I think you can be at intellectual odds with people, but still be friends. And I think in the spirit of that, um, we do disagree on this, and not to say that gold won't be part of our future because it's been part of our past for 5,000 plus years. And so I'm reasonably confident that gold will be part of our future, but I do believe the world is moving past gold in terms of a store of value that the largest group of our populations will be a part of. And so um, I, I want to start out with the history of money. I think it's very important. Uh, and I'll, I'll cite from Neil Ferguson's book, The Ascent of Money, uh, where Professor Ferguson says in the book, there are three axiomatic facts about it. Number one, it's a technology that we're using to transfer goods and services among ourselves to avoid bartering. Number two, it's a trusted network. And so I brought some props tonight. And so you see these uh, in my neighborhood, these are Italian signals. And okay, and now what are these things? They're actually pieces of fabric. We call it paper money. Uh, but this piece of fabric here is about 25% linen, 75% cotton. There's a little strip in there. Interestingly enough, for America, only white dead males on our money, the last industrial nation that does that. But what is this really worth? At the end of the day, it's not worth that much. And one of the axiomatic facts from Mr. Professor Ferguson's book is that this technology, this money, is always worth less than the goods and services that we're transacting for. But what's important about this is it's a trusted network. I can pass this on to somebody, uh, and they know with great confidence they can pass it on to somebody else. But as Satoshi Nakamoto said, or the group of people known as Satoshi Nakamoto, the inventor of Bitcoin and the, the, the group or the gentleman or the woman that wrote this white paper, they basically explained that this money throughout history has been corrupted. And this money throughout history, uh, particularly in the modern era, we've had two big episodic events, 2008 into nine, and now the COVID-19 situation where we're manufacturing this money uh, and it's causing some level of instability in our society. Uh, in the United States, $469 billion was printed in the first five months of the year. Uh, as you know from some of our past conversations, I grew up in a blue collar family. My dad was a laborer. He was an hourly worker. Um, I priced his earnings uh, uh, in 2016 while I was on the presidential campaign. Uh, and I pointed out to the uh, then the candidate, my dad's 1976 earnings priced in 2016, they were down in real terms 26.5%. 
If you're listening in and you have dollar denominated assets, well, you've been taxed by the central bank uh, because of inflation. The $10,000 that you had in your bank account last year has the purchasing power equivalent of $9,200. And so in comes Satoshi Nakamoto with this idea. And the central thesis of this idea and the eureka moment for me was the notion that the blockchain could create a permissionless transaction uh, between two parties that may not know each other, don't necessarily have to trust each other, uh, but over the blockchain, they can make this transaction by creating a decentralized effect, taking out third parties. Um, and this is something that I think is a eureka moment. And if you go back and study gold and you understand why this precious metal has value, about five or 6% of the cost of gold would be for the manufacturing effect that gold has on our society. The rest of it is the perception of that store of value. And I think, uh, I think this cryptocurrency revolution and Bitcoin specifically because of its scarcity is going to transcend gold. It's more portable. It's impregnable in terms of the transaction over the blockchain and that network. Uh, and it's being adopted quite rapidly, a result of which the prices are going to go a lot higher. Thank you. Thank you very much, Anthony. And very good. I love this self-monitoring where you actually stop on time because this hardly ever happens for a moderator. So I'm now I'm unemployed. You know, <laughs> carry on. We've had a very good introduction there. I've got a couple of questions I, I want to probe and follow up with you. And I'm sure our audience do, too. But I think it's nice to hear the other side of the argument straight away while it's fresh in our minds. So Peter Schiff, economist, global strategist for Euro-Pacific Capital. He's chairman of Schiff Gold, a precious metals dealer that does what it says on the tin there, specialising in investment grade gold and silver bullion. He also hosts the Peter Schiff show. Many of you will know is a very popular podcast about the economy in which he often denounces the rise of cryptocurrency and creates bare knuckle fights on my team about whether they're on his side or Anthony's. Peter, take us away with gold. All right. Well, thank you, Anthony. And, you know, look, might I add, you know, I've been wearing those salt baseball caps around uh, Dorado, so I still get a lot of use out of those. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, let me say at the start, I fully expect to lose this debate. Because I've done these debates before, and what I've found is the Bitcoin people at the beginning vote that they're in favor of gold just so they can switch to Bitcoin at the end so that Bitcoin can win. So I'm prepared for that. Uh, but anyway, and you know, the other thing about these gold versus Bitcoin type debates is that in reality, Bitcoin and gold have absolutely nothing in common. I mean, Bitcoin, part of the marketing fraud is to try to portray Bitcoin as gold, gold 2.0, digital gold. I mean, Bitcoin itself is always displayed as a coin and the color is gold and you put like a B on it. Uh, but it's not a coin. It's just a digital string of numbers. It doesn't have any substance. It doesn't have any color. And what made gold money was the properties that gold, the element, possesses as a metal as a commodity. Bitcoin doesn't possess any of the metallic properties that gives gold value. Now, what Bitcoin tried to mimic was some of the other qualities that made gold a better form of money than other commodities 
that could be and have been used as money. You see, by definition, money is simply the most marketable commodity. And yes, Anthony mentioned that we used to have barter and money was an invention that made trade more efficient because barter is inherently very inefficient. And so the invention of money was a major progress as far as human history is concerned. And a lot of things were money before gold ultimately emerged as the best money because it satisfied the qualities of money best. And some of the qualities that gold had, the visibility, portability, fungibility, these are some of the properties that Bitcoin copied. But without the fundamental value of gold, a metal, Bitcoin can never be money because money has to be a store of value. And a lot of people in the crypto community try to claim that Bitcoin is a store of value because if you bought it 10, 11 years ago, the price has gone up. Well, there's a difference between a price and value. The reason that gold is a store of value is because you're storing the value of the metal gold. Gold can be used to do all sorts of things. Sure, you could use it for jewelry. I got a gold watch on that's, that's made of jewelry. And a lot of the gold is used in jewelry. But gold is used in industry. It's used in aerospace, medicine, dentistry. There's all sorts of demands for gold, the metal, because it is the most useful metal on the periodic table. And even if I'm not going to use the gold myself for any of those uses, even if I'm just going to store gold coins or gold bars you know, in, my, in my safe, what I am doing is storing the future use of gold because gold does not lose any of its properties over time. That's what makes it such a good store of value because in 100 years, in 1,000 years, the gold that I'm storing today can be melted down and used in electronics or used in jewelry or for whatever new uses have been invented that don't even exist today. In contrast, Bitcoin can't be a store of value because it has no actual value to store. There's nothing I can do with my Bitcoin today. There's nothing anybody else can do with it tomorrow. Sure, you can give it to somebody else. You could trade Bitcoin. But why does somebody want your Bitcoin? Because they think they can give it to somebody else who thinks they can give it to somebody else at a higher price. This is a greater fool. What Bitcoin, in effect, is, is kind of like a, uh, a combination Ponzi scheme, pyramid, chain letter. The only value comes from the belief that the Bitcoin can be sold in the future to a greater fool who is equally convinced he can sell it in the future at a higher price. This isn't digital gold. This is fool's gold. This is modern day alchemy. Bitcoin doesn't have a future. To me, it's not Gold 2.0, this is Tulip Mania 2.0, except tulips had more intrinsic value than Bitcoin, because at the end of the day, at least you had a flower. Um, right. OK, so now we're, we're going to start getting in some audience questions. Please do submit yours. You do it on the Q&A button. I'm going to spend a few minutes basically just nagging the panelists to see if I get a bit more value out of them, get them to test some of their own convictions, because I always feel when people come in as convinced as these two are, there must be a soft edge to their argument, a cliff edge that we could perhaps probe. So I'm going to start with you, Anthony. I, when you say uh, this, this is, in a sense, a bit of a breakthrough moment, one thing I would like to know from you is what is the problem to which 
cryptocurrency is the answer. We'll come on to whether it's a bubble in a minute and whether you owe each other a tulip or not. But is that something that is really going on here or is it just kind of a nice idea because we've got the technology so we might as well? Well, listen, there's a there's a lot going on. I mean, uh, I, I just 30 seconds of addressing Peter, I think it's important. If you accept that we've moved into a digital society and if you accept that uh, we're adopting things on the Internet and so therefore there's value on the Internet, as example, Facebook.com, that URL has value. Amazon.com has value. And so then the question is, does the Bitcoin network itself have value? And I believe it does. It's at 125 million users right now. I think it's going to a billion users. I think Kathy Wood is going to be correct. A uh, billion users by the end of 2025. And so we, we would go to Professor Robert Metcalf at MIT and we would say, uh, Dr. Metcalf, does a network in itself have value? And I think the answer to that is yes. To answer your question specifically, we have a tendency to corrupt our money. Uh, we've been doing that forever. This is the 50th anniversary since the abrogation of the Bretton Woods Treaty by Richard Nixon on August 15th, 1971. And, and to Peter, I'll make a point on Peter's behalf. We were measuring these currencies in gold 50 years ago, $35 an ounce. Uh, for gold in 1971, it's roughly 1700 or so dollars an ounce today. We've corrupted our money. There's some best-selling books behind Peter about the great crash and the overall corruption of money. And I've read those books that Peter has written. I would encourage everybody to read them because he's explaining that when you start to corrupt the money, every single person on this call tonight has been gypped some way or taxed some way by a central banker as a result of that money proliferation. And so what the, the Bitcoin is solving for is we can make this widespread. We can have a network of billions of users. Uh, and because of the scarcity of Bitcoin, there are 21 million coins out there, several million of which have left to be mined, but two or three million that were likely lost and as a result of early adoption poor storage. And, you know, there are 49 million global millionaires, according to JP Morgan. We don't even have enough Bitcoin for each global millionaire to own one Bitcoin. And if you believe that that network has value, Peter is suggesting that it doesn't because all it is is a cryptograph on the internet. Um, but I would suggest that that network itself is very, very valuable. It's a trusted network. And the breakthrough for me is it's a libertarian concept. I have this code, I can transfer it to you as a representation of a ledger of the money in my pocket, that's a ledger. This, this piece of fabric is really not worth anything, uh, but somebody believes that it is. And we have to solve that because this is being printed now in a massively corruptive way around this. It's a 31% increase in M2 since April of 2020. That is a good point, point worth remembering on the, on, on the supply side. But I, I, let me put the broader point there across to Peter, which, as I understood it, is that the network itself has value that you can argue about what is going to happen to, to the currencies. And we might we might talk about that in a minute, what the risks are inherently, but that the network in itself is growing, has value and has believers. Peter, isn't that in itself something that you should consider? Well, you know, first of all, 
the, the point that, it, that uh, we're addressing here about the problem, I agree. You know, yes, paper money, fiat money is a huge problem. And intrinsically, it has no value. The value of that piece of paper that Anthony is holding on to comes predominantly from faith. You know, when we had real money, you didn't have to have faith because you had gold. You had a real commodity and everybody knew its value because everybody knew what you can, you can do with gold. Uh, but fiat currency, people just believe it has value. But it also gets value from the fact that governments declare it as legal tender and governments require the payment of taxes in that currency. And so there is a natural demand. Nobody wants to go to jail. So everybody needs dollars in order to pay their taxes. And so that's where the value comes from. The problem with Bitcoin, one of the many problems, is its value comes from the same thing. It's confidence. You have to believe that it has value. You have to believe that other people are going to want it. Maybe you have to believe in this network. But at the end of the day, its value is derived from confidence and belief, except you don't even have the government behind it to force you to pay taxes in it. So I think it's much easier for that faith and that confidence to be lost. You know, and you know, Bitcoin was the first cryptocurrency. There's now over 11,000 other ones that exist. I mean, who's to say uh, that Bitcoin uh, won't be passe, that some of these other coins will become more popular and people will forget about Bitcoin? I mean, generally, the first mover is not always the last mover. Uh, somebody invents or builds a bigger, bigger mousetrap. Well, would that, not, would, that not, would that not be a challenge to you, Peter? Because that would simply show that someone or a you know, group behind it were better at it than Bitcoin. It, it wouldn't disprove the argument, would it? It would simply say, well, these virtual currencies are working. Well, no, because I think the fact that you can always come up with another one destroys the argument that there's scarcity there. I mean, you're not going to come up with a better gold. Gold is gold. Uh, but, you know, I can keep inventing these cryptocurrencies. There's no limit to the supply of cryptocurrencies. And I don't know that necessarily if you can assign a value to the network, if that value inures to the individual, uh, you know, Satoshis that everybody owns. And, you know, I know that yeah, we're, we're going digital. A lot of things now are digital, but that doesn't mean that everything is digital. I don't live in a digital house. I don't eat digital food. I don't drive a digital car and I'm not going to have digital money because money is a commodity. It is a real thing. It cannot just be replicated digitally. If you want to have a store of value, if you want real money, then you need something like gold. If you believe in fiat money, well, then you can have fiat cryptocurrencies but the problem is, again, you're playing a confidence game only without the, the, the government supports and all the other infrastructure, the price structures, uh, you know, uh, the, the insurance products, the bond markets, all, the, all the, 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 the things that people use fiat currencies for today. They don't use they don't use Bitcoin for any of that other than just trading. People collect Bitcoin and, and trade them. Let, let me kick that back to Anthony, just so that when we get to the, the half hour, we can go to the audience, because I've all got some very good questions. Thank you very much, audience. And and do keep them coming and I'll try and group them as uh, sensibly uh, as I can. Anthony, I'm actually speaking to you from the Baltic state. So I've been speaking to her and talking to People who are obviously very keen on, on digital. It was interesting at the point we don't have a digital car. Well, we don't, although I feel I've got near as damn it a digital car. I got a car from, from Bolt, uh, one of the big you know, car apps up here. I did it all on the app. I turned up open sesame. The key was there. Literally, the car was physical, but nothing else was. 
Even so, I say to you, talking to uh, Kaya Kallis, the uh, very go-ahead Prime Minister of Estonia on digital yesterday, cryptocurrency, she said, I don't, I don't yet see that it would inspire confidence. And if you are getting to the point where your, your argument is quite well advanced, it exists in the real world, and yet governments are still very cherry, very leery of it, there might be a problem around that. Am I right? I had that view that you're sharing with me uh, that the prime minister of Estonia or the president of Estonia had. Uh, if you were talking to me in 2017 or 2018, I would have said, had this higher level of skepticism. Uh, when I left the White House, you know, people forget that I was also at the XM Bank and I spent several weeks at the XM Bank examining the XM Bank as its chief strategy officer, making a recommendation to the administration whether or not we should keep the XM Bank. And at that time, they were talking about the digitization of the dollar and the threat of a digital yuan. And when I, when, I, when I was fired from the White House and went back to my business, it's one of the great things about being an entrepreneur. After you're fired, you go back to your own business, big deal. I bought the URL skybridgebitcoin.com because it became very clear that the fiat currencies were going to start digitizing. So what I would say to the Estonian government is I understand your concern but there's been exponential growth in the network. The network has moved from 30 million users at that time to 125 million users on its way to 180 by year end. And so as more and more users join the network, the fait accompli of the network will be such that it'll be impossible not to have it as a part of our lives. And, and what I would say to Peter about gold I respect gold and I understand gold's cultural and historical tenets, but software is eating the world. Uh, every book behind me right now, I can digest that book into this smartphone. And then I have room for my photos and, and everything else. And I think what Mr. Nakamoto or Mrs. Nakamoto, the group known as Nakamoto suggested is if we've got money, and this is where Peter and I would intellectually disagree, gold is just another representation of value. It is a ledger. The human beings for 5,500 years are trying to come up with a ledger between each other so that they can exchange goods and services without bartering. Gold is just another representation of that. So all Nakamoto is saying is uh, this meets the three tenets. It's scarce. It can be networked. And I can transfer it to you in an impregnable way. We don't have to like or trust each other but I can create that one-on-one -on -one experience without having to go through a third party. One last quick point. If we capture a meteor, very valuable one, that's got a quadrillion dollars worth of gold, it's going to super disrupt that market. Bitcoin can't be disrupted. It can't be recreated. <laughs> yeah. well, Peter, very quick, quick last comeback yeah. there. You, know, you can volley yeah. your serve uh, at the net and then we'll get okay. to the audience. Well, first of all, gold is not a representation of anything. Gold is itself. It is a metal. Right? It is a commodity. And prior to it being money, it was bartered for other commodities. I mean, I could have some gold and you could have some wheat and we could exchange one commodity for another, one value for another. So when gold became money, gold became accepted in exchange for any other commodity, but it was a commodity itself. Bitcoin does not possess that property. Bitcoin is not an actual good. So, you know, when you talk about digital books or digital music, you know, these things can be 
digitized. Uh, this is intangible. I can read a book on paper because what I'm reading are the words. And so you can transfer those words to me digitally or on a piece of paper. The same thing with music. I can listen to an album that's playing on you know, a phonograph or I could listen to you know, an iPod or whatever. It's the, the music which is digital. But so other commodities like gold is a physical element. It is a metal and it can't be replaced with a digital representation because I can't make this watch out of digital gold. I can't conduct electricity with digital gold. You have to understand the difference. When you are putting your faith in Bitcoin, there's nothing real. The price can implode at any minute. You are dependent on more and more people deciding to adopt it why? Because they're confident that they're going to get rich. And all they have to do is hold on to it and never sell it, and it will go up, and one day they're going to be rich. Well, eventually the supply of fools runs out, and the bottom drops out of the market. Sponsoring the show for this episode is Marquee TV. Marquee TV is a streaming service with a difference. It's bringing you the top tier of performing arts straight into your living room or onto your device. So think dance, theatre, music, anything you might find in the West End, Broadway, or maybe a cool little experimental space too, but saving you the cost of a few tickets as well. I've got happily a bit lost in their vast library of performances, exclusive interviews, and behind-the-scenes content. Choreographer Jonathan Watkins' interpretation of George Orwell's classic 1984 was pretty cool, and I love the dance piece, Sutra, inspired by the skills of Buddhist Shaolin monks. And we've got a special treat for our listeners. Marquee TV offers three months of access for just 99 cents. That's right, three months for only 99 cents. With the code squared, simply visit marquee.tv and use the promo code squared to dive into the world of arts like never before. Bring the arts home with Marquee TV. The events calendar is filling up here at Intelligence Squared and to create each one we obviously rely on some brilliant guests and onstage talent but behind the scenes there's also a producer, a production team and the budget in the mix too. You've got to keep an eye on all of that stuff in one place. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system bringing accounting, financial management, inventory and HR into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. And you can cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because it's super easy to get started. NetSuite exists in the cloud, you see, no hardware needed. So you're cutting IT costs too. That's why over 37,000 companies have already made the move. And now by popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-the-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to netsuite.com slash squared. That's netsuite.com slash squared. netsuite.com slash squared. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com wonder. Right. Okay, I've got loads of questions, so I'm going to encourage you to give your answers in a pithy and haiku-like way so that your good value 
for anybody's money, however <laughs> it is. Uh, how about this one? LCS, mysteriously, from New York City. Hi, you. How do we know if cryptos are not an elaborate scheme by the original whales cash out at once with other whale collaboration? Uh, we had a couple of questions along those lines with a suggestion that it was kind of a bit of a rigged. Can you rig a bubble? I don't know. But if you can rig a bubble, you know, that was the, the kind of suggestion. I suppose that goes to you, Anthony, in a response from Peter. The very quick answer is an anal- analysis of the wallets that are out there. It's very easy to find those wallets. That was probably true about Bitcoin in 2011, 12 and 13. There's a way more diverse portfolio of people in that network today. And I would recommend a book quickly, Dominic Frisbee's book, Bitcoin, the Future of Money. Uh, You can buy that on Amazon for $15. He explains to you why that misnomer about the whales and 200 or 300 people owning Bitcoin is a misnomer. And I probably can't do it justice. And but basically, you don't believe the sort of the conspiracy about about whales. Oh, I don't believe it, but I can. But I can also prove it empirically in terms of the way the. Uh, well, let the me, can I respond to that? Oh, I'm so sorry, Peter. Come yeah. back, and then I'll throw you something. Yeah. Off the bat. Well, a couple of things. One, you have no idea who owns those wallets, so the same people can own multiple wallets. So you don't really know. But my th- thinking on the whales is, I don't think most of the whales got in at the very beginning for pennies of Bitcoin. But I do think they were attracted to it and loaded up on big positions somewhere, you know, between 100 and 1,000. I think a lot of the big money got in. And I think they did coordinate a, a highly targeted marketing campaign in order to pump up the market price of the Bitcoin that they had acquired. And, and so I think they have been selling into the hype. And so in my mind, it is a giant pump and dump where the guys that got in relatively early, maybe not on the ground floor, but relatively early, are constantly trying to pump up the market in order to generate a lot of enthusiasm and momentum and FOMO so that they can sell out uh, you know, gradually into this market that, that they are creating. And I think it's part of the whole culture of this hodl uh, diamond hands trying to convince as many of the little guys to never sell. Because if you're the big guy and you're trying to unload your Bitcoin, you don't want everybody else selling at the same time and screwing it up for you. So you want to convince all the new people who are coming in that they can buy Bitcoin now at 30, 40,000, 50,000 of Bitcoin, and it's going to go to a million. It's going to go to 10 million. You got to get those guys on board and make sure they never sell so you can keep getting rid of yours. And that's what I think is going on behind the scenes. Right. Come on, then. I want, I want to get into some other things. A question from uh, Sarah. What do you think about digital currencies like a digital dollar? Could this displace Bitcoin and gold? And obviously, we know the Bank of England is also having a tentative, but it has actually put it into public domain. So not that tentative look at, at possibly uh, looking at digital currency as well. So is there a sort of can you have a halfway house on this, which is sort of addresses some of the concerns uh, and convictions on both sides of the argument? Quick one on this, please, if you could, Peter. I think Anthony would agree with my answer. Look, I don't think a digital dollar is a threat to Bitcoin or gold. I mean, all a digital dollar is, is the same fiat currency we have now, you know, tokenized. I mean, most of our transactions in dollars are already digital. I mean, I use my credit card or debit card. I mean, I rarely pay for anything in cash anyway. Uh, But the, the problem with a digital dollar Where the threat lies is to our freedoms and to our privacy, because at least if I'm spending 
paper dollars, I can buy something without the government knowing exactly what I bought and tracking everything I do. But the minute we get rid of the physical paper and everything is forced onto a digital network, the government knows every single thing I buy and when I bought it. And who knows how that information, maybe it seems innocent now, but how it may one day be used against me. And also, I think it will make it even easier for the Federal Reserve to pursue reckless monetary policy, negative interest rates, somehow having an expiration date, or all kinds of crazy things to create even more inflation. So I think a, a digital dollar would even create more of a need to get rid of the dollar and look for a viable alternative. I just don't think Bitcoin would qualify. I think gold would. Actually, follow up on this, if we could, uh, Anthony, so you can answer both at the same time from Sibby Jacob. He says, if the Bank of England released a digital currency tomorrow, which would have more value, Bitcoin or the Bank of England coin? Well, the over, I think it would probably be the Bank of England coin because of the magnitude of the reserves of the Bank of England, meaning the scale of the Bank of England's monetary supply. But I think over time, as the network expands, Bitcoin will have more and more value. But you know, Peter's right about a lot of things that he just said in terms of the control and the digitization. One of the reasons why China is moving to a digital yuan is that they want that social control over people. They'll use AI technology and cameras to give you a social score and they'll take yuan away from you from your smart wallet or add it pursuant to your behavior. So you could then perhaps digitize gold. That might be something that people think about, but gold has a thick. But that, that's the, that's Anthony, that's the best form of digital currency you can have. If you issue a digital currency backed by real money, gold, that could work. That would truly be scarce and it would be a store of value. So that, that is something that I'm open to intellectually as being part of the future mosaic, but I don't think that's gonna preclude Bitcoin. I think that you can have a buffet table of different things that people will store value in. One of them, in my mind, will indisputably be Bitcoin. And I will also point out to everybody that's listening, we are at a very early level in Bitcoin. 125 million users is less than 2% global saturation. Uh, if I'm right, if Kathy Wood is right, you'll be at over a billion users, and these coins will be worth several times more than they're but worth today. Anthony. And maybe Peter and I can have that debate yeah. in four or five Pe years about where people this people aren't using Bitcoin. They're trading Bitcoin. So if you want to say they're using it for speculation, they're not using it in commerce. It's not really a medium of exchange or a store of value. It is a speculative token that people collect. But, you know, you talked about 50 years ago when we went off the gold standard. See what happened or we closed the gold window. Um, the dollar was backed by gold and then it was backed by nothing. And the reason it lost so much purchasing power is because a dollar backed by nothing is not as valuable as one backed by gold. The same would apply to cryptocurrency. If I, let me finish. If, if, if I had the choice between a cryptocurrency backed by gold and a cryptocurrency backed by nothing, why would I not choose the cryptocurrency backed by gold? I would. And in fact, a cryptocurrency backed by gold would be easier to use, cheaper to use, more efficient to use uh, than, than Bitcoin. So I think it, hands down, you would always prefer a cryptocurrency backed by gold to one backed by nothing. Quick reply, and then I want to move on quick as you can, gentlemen. Sorry to push you for time. We would intellectually disagree that it's, disagree that it's backed by nothing. There is What's a, it backed by? People. 
Well, Jesus. remember, it, it's, it's a ledger, it's a mathematical but transaction. It's backed by math? It's backed by, it's backed by the network of users. But, I, but look, I can't get that. I can't, I can't withdraw my share of the network. See, if I have digital currency backed by gold, I can get my gold. Now I have my gold, I can do something. I can't do anything with my share of the Bitcoin network. Totally not true. I can transfer out of my Bitcoin right now into gold if I want. No, that, I'm not saying that. Like, you last point on this one, gentlemen, because otherwise we will get bogged down. Um, sorry, just finish the sentence. Whoever was speaking, apologies. Well, we were both speaking, but you go ahead and speak. Yeah, in that case, why don't neither of you speak, right? Uh, instead, to be sure, in, in South Africa has asked a number of questions. You asked originally about well, what was the, the problem it was there to solve. Let me see what you said subsequently. Do you think Bitcoin is ledger money is there to solve the problem that euro dollars were trying to solve, which is a global dollar shortage? OK, quick one on this, and then we'll move on. The quick answer to that is yes. And so I don't know if Peter wants to talk about it, but no, I, I don't I know. I, I mean, I don't think Bitcoin is going to solve that problem. I don't think Bitcoin is global money. It is a global bubble. I mean, you have people all around the world involved. Uh, but at the end of the day, I think people are going to lose a lot of money who put their trust in, in Bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies, not just Bitcoin. What I, what I what I love about you, Peter, though, is you've been so wrong about this, but you're never in doubt. I mean, this well, no, thing I, is I haven't been wrong. Zero. I, Forty-five thousand. So, no, no, no. So I never, I never that, said that two hundred and fifty thousand. What are we going to be doing, Anthony? You know, that, yeah. I never said the price couldn't go up. I never said the bubble couldn't get bigger. Now you could say I was wrong to not have profited from it. Obviously, with the benefit of hindsight, sure, I could have bought a bunch of Bitcoin and sold it out to a bunch of greater fools and made a lot of money. Uh, but I haven't been wrong in my basic understanding. Now, we'll see what happens because, I mean, you, you know, you've, I think you've come relatively late to the party. I think a lot of the Bitcoin that you and your clients are accumulating, you guys are paying very high prices for it. Uh, so we'll see how, how that looks in a few years. But uh, I don't think you're, you're uh, positioned Can I well. get from both of you a sense of wh when is the never ending? Well, we'll see. You know, you'll see, you'll see, you'll see. I mean, what kind of time frame will you see? I mean, I'm pretty sure you two will be back here. Still hashing it out in, uh, I don't know, five, ten years. But when will we be able to make some sort of judgment? What do both of you think? Well, let's let Peter answer that. When, when would when, when well, you go first? What would be the criteria for Peter to capitulate uh, on his view of Bitcoin? That, that would I, I would like. To, but I, I think that time is long past. But honestly, well, I've but, always Anthony, I've always said if I actually see if I actually see Bitcoin used as money. So if I actually see it as a medium of exchange, as a unit of account, if people are being paid in Bitcoin, not, being, not having their dollar salaries converted to Bitcoin, but I will work for you know, a, a, you know, a, a Bitcoin a year. That's my salary and you pay me in pieces. When you have landlords, I'm renting this apartment for Bitcoin. I'm gonna buy an insurance policy where I pay my premiums in Bitcoin and my benefit is defined by Bitcoin, not some dollar debt, 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 debt benefit, but some actual out of Bitcoin. So if this can actually work, which I, I seriously doubt, then I could say I was wrong. But as long as it's just a speculative bubble and people are just hoarding I could, it and trading I, 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 it. As, as speaking as Mrs. Normal here, I couldn't hear a timeline on that one. Well, Anthony, well that's going to be timeline? about, that's going to, what Peter's suggesting is going to be about two or three years away. Jack okay, Dorsey well, let's Square see. <laughs> are working on a digital wallet. There is applications now being developed for the Bitcoin network, which will allow for that. 
We know the country of El Salvador has uh, allowed for Bitcoin now to become legal tender. It's a small country, I will admit that, only 7 million people. But what Peter is suggesting is now starting to happen. And again, I just want to point out that uh, Peter and I are baby boomers. Uh, well, you know, we've more or less destroyed our society, wrecked our environment. That's an indictment of all baby boomers. But the new generation coming up are way more comfortable in the digital world and embrace this network. You mean uh, they're young and Peter, dumb. And, and whether, <laughs> they Peter have likes it, whether Peter likes it or doesn't like it, it, <laughs> it, it's happening. But you see, and the network itself has value. And ultimately, if you study- You've said that, you know, we've got that. Me, and you will get I'm to make, make one point. Com comments. I want, I've got to get some more let questions me just make one, Yeah, Let me make one quick Go point on. on the timeline because Very Bitcoin has lived its entire life in the everything bubble, right? It started after the financial crisis. Fed was doing all this QE. So it hasn't really lived through economic cycles. It's only lived through a boom. Has it lived through a bus? So that's another thing. Let's see how this next bus plays out. Markets crash, lots of inflation, all sorts of problems. You know, let's see when you have all these speculative assets collapsing, either in nominal terms or in real terms priced in gold. Let's see how Bitcoin holds up in an environment where speculative assets, meme stocks, all that stuff are collapsing. You know, there's a Russian proverb that says we live a little longer and then we'll see. That sounds like that's where that one is. What about Elon Musk? Good point from an anonymous attendee. Elon Musk tweets, in effect, uh, on the Bitcoin price has been a shock to the system. If the coin is value, the network so vital. How can one man's opinion swing the price so much? The Elon factor. Yeah, Anthony. Well, I, you know, I think that's more evidence about how early we are. You know, Peter mentioned that I'm late to the game, but I actually don't think so. I think we're in the very, very early innings of this. And Elon Musk's approach and his influence on Bitcoin, I think, is evidence of how early we are. There will come a time where no one person will be able to have that kind of influence over the network. But as, uh, you know, Elon Musk admitted in his interview with Kathy Wood and Jack Dorsey, he has several billion dollars worth of Bitcoin across his personal account, SpaceX and Tesla. Yeah, well, I, I would think that the fact that one man's tweets can have such an impact on the daily price valuation is another reason that Bitcoin fails as, uh, as money. It's just too volatile on a daily basis routinely, and it's too subject to manipulation. What, what, what about to be... Alan Greenspan and Jerome Powell and, yeah. and people like that, Peter? What yeah, about those yeah. Yeah, well, you know, gold gold isn't functioning right now as uh, as a medium of exchange either, uh, but it has in the past and it can in the future. Bitcoin never has, so it's a it's a big leap of faith to say that one day it will. But you know, Anthony, you know, just with all due respect, I mean, nobody who's late to the party thinks they're late to the party. Otherwise, you wouldn't come. So you <laughs> you you always think that it's going to keep going. But I'm well, telling you, the you police are on their way. Your you're getting, they're they're going to raid this party. And, you, you, you know, you're, oh, it's, Peter, it's when you're buying well. your Bitcoin at $250,000 a coin, I'm going to assure you that you're not at that late. I don't the worry. If Bitcoin goes to 250000 <laughs> it's possible. I say it's not very probable. I mean, but nothing's impossible. You know, I say, you know, but if it happens... I can tell you one thing, I ain't going to buy any. So don't look to me to, 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 as the, you know, to get out. Yeah, you have I, to you find know, another I understand, the, 
I understand. Okay, Charles, we, we, need, we need to start field. wrapping the arguments to move to the next vote, and you will uh, get to sort of kill each other again in about uh, eight minutes' time, if I'm counting correctly. <laughs> um, one thing I thought we would be remiss not to mention is the environmental impacts, and I'm sorry, there was a question about that, but rather than me scroll through it, I'll just ask it. Um, yes, environmental impacts, particularly at a time COP26 is coming up in the, the UK, the international community is much more focused on environmental issues, climate change solutions, and it was. I mean, environmentally, it doesn't seem to be the world's greatest blessing, and to need to put a pressure on, on you a little bit on, on your side on that one. So I just want think people to think through that, because if there's a world of decentralization coming and there's peer-to-peer transfer of value, you're taking out the bank teller, you're taking out the real estate associated with the bank teller, the heating and cooling off of that bank, the gas to get to the bank branch, uh, you're changing the entire society and making it way more environmentally and economically efficient. Moreover, Bitcoin's overall carbon footprint right now is 0.13% of the world's carbon. And so I know people are upset about Bitcoin, uh, but 56% of the mining and the tracking of Bitcoin is done through renewable energy, which would include hydropower, wind power, and solar power. And the goal for the network is to get that to 100% by the end of the, the decade. And I believe that that will happen. Peter, is a, so- a soluble problem? Well, you know, a lot of the efficiencies that Anthony was pointing out, they can be solved without the introduction of Bitcoin. I think Bitcoin is very expensive, you know, to create into existence, and it does consume a tremendous Tell amount of energy. Expensive gold, though. Tell no, her let, 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 let me finish. Right. Right. Let, let Peter finish, because we need to move on. Because when you create Bitcoin you create nothing of value. The world is no better off today because we have, I don't know, 18 million Bitcoin than it was before we had any. When you are using energy to create gold, the world now benefits from having gold that's in a usable form as opposed to buried in the earth. And of course, once I have gold, no energy is required to for me to have it. But you cast to continuously expend energy to keep the Bitcoin network powered. But also what I'm worried about is not just the waste of energy and other resources, but all of the investment money, all of the talent that is being completely squandered in this crypto bubble. All sorts of very smart people are spending a lot of time, wasting a lot of time, coming up with all these crazy industries built around crypto. A lot of people are investing their money. This is a massive bubble. This is what you call a malinvestment in the Austrian school. All of this being fueled by the monetary policies of the Fed. And so at the end of the day, when this bubble pops, not only are we going to be poorer because people would have lost a lot of money, but all of that talent, all of those resources that otherwise could have put to, been put to productive use were wasted on cryptocurrencies. Can I respond to that quickly or no? You can. I would say, Peter, that, that's, I mean, basically you, you, you do a closing statement. That seemed to be... Most of it. If there's one other killer fact you want to mention, please mention it now, and then I'll go to Anthony just oh, that, so that, that we was, stay. That was my closing statement. I was just saying that was <laughs> a pretty good closing statement. Oh. Yes, it would be a bit of a come down, wouldn't it? I was like, you know, what do you do after the Hallelujah chorus? Oh. I just wanted to offer you the chance, but uh, I think you nailed it. That was a, a six from the East German judge here, uh, Anthony Scaramucci. Closing argument, if you could. Peter says that the world hasn't been made better, but it actually has. And I want, I want you to think about it philosophically. The blockchain, 
and the introduction of cryptocurrency and the tokenization is going to allow us to do things way more efficiently in our society in terms of transferring goods and services. And I'll just remind you of this. We have to take these things from the government now, the money. Uh, our identities are actually granted to us from the government where we get a passport or a driver's license. But in the world of the blockchain and the concepts of tokenization, our identity actually becomes ourselves and it can be expressed over that network. And I just want people to think about the magnitude of that and the freedom of that. And the fact that this is so decentralized that it's relatively uncorruptible and we know how frail human nature is as it relates to corruptibility. So I do think the world has been greatly improved and I think Bitcoin is here to stay and it will be a transfer mechanism for value and a store of value and possibly a global currency over time. Thank you both. That was an extraordinarily interesting duel. I certainly enjoyed it very much and learned a lot from it. But it's the audience that gets to decide. So go vote now, Bitcoin or gold, via the poll appearing on your screen. If you're not sure, then you vote. Guess what? Undecided. And while we're waiting for the results to come in, I'd like to remind us all this is only the first debate in the Intelligence Squared crypto series. If you've enjoyed it and felt gingered up there by our combatants, do join us next Wednesday, the 25th, for Crypto versus the Environment, which uh, obviously builds on, on that last question there. That's with Lynn Alden and Alex DeVries. And we will be holding a third debate, too. And that is on whether crypto can bank the unbank between Peter McCormack and Yaya Fanuzi on September the ninth. I will be moderating both of those debates also, and you can find debates about these events and more on the Intelligence Squared website. But now, theoretically, all being well, and if I have be uh, trusted, put my investments in a good place, we will be able to bring you the results. Let's remind ourselves the first vote was 26% for Bitcoin, 38% for gold, and 35% Undecided. The final vote went 32% for Bitcoin, 51% for gold, <laughs> audible gasps, and 17% undecided. So, yes, the undecideds absolutely moved, but they did not move in the direction at all, Peter, that you predicted. 32% there for Bitcoin, 51% for gold. Rattle your jewellery, everyone. And 17% undecided. I, I, I got to come back to you. I mean, what do you make of that, guys? Well, uh, I just got to say. thoughts. I mean, to the victor, the spoils. <laughs> I just got to say one thing. Michael Saylor, stop ducking me. No, you're out there. <laughs> at least, at least Anthony that, that, stepped that's up. That's just the thing they do. Let, let them do that. Come on, like fifty-one percent, right? Okay. I will, so congratulate, I will congratulate Peter on winning the uh, hearts and minds of the people that witnessed our debate. But I would encourage everybody, including Peter, to do more homework on this. Uh, there's a lot of smart people involved, and you may be missing some. I've done a lot of homework, Anthony, and there are a lot of smart people involved, very smart people. A lot, I mean, a lot of my neighbors, a lot of my friends are involved. But, you know, there's a lot of smart people who have looked at it like I have and have come to the same conclusion. So it's not like all the smart people are on one side of this. I mean, smart that's what people. Makes it fun. That's what makes it a market. And that's uh, what I'm going to do right now is buy more Bitcoin because this <laughs> data has encouraged me about how early we are. I thought you were already all in. You 
Well, no, you can never be all in on Bitcoin. As you know, there's a FOMO factor. Once you understand oh my the goodness. network. Oh, Lord, look, they're, they're about to start again. I think it's time we left you, you two here. I hope that we we're able to resume this because it was an absolutely fascinating contest. It reminded me of those kind of very nifty heavyweight kind of wrestlers. And I thought you were really fantastic. So there we have it. I'd like to thank you both to Anthony uh, Scaramucci and Peter Schiff there. Fascinating, fiery debate from both of you and to our audience. So it's great questions. I got through as many as I could. I think the number of questions shows the, the degree of interest in this topic. I hope we do it again soon. Intelligence Squared, of course, for putting it all together and their partners, Equinex, for staging this debate and supporting the crypto series as a whole. If you'd like to continue the conversation, do it on Twitter. There'll be another poll. They love polls, don't they? Oh, my goodness. Thank goodness. My blood pressure just goes up every time we do one. Someone else is going to be sorting those out. There'll be another poll over seven days and announcing results at next week. Debate crypto and the environment. Thanks for joining us. Have a lovely evening wherever you are.